Almighty and most wonderful God, we thank you for this opportunity to share, to receive, to partake, and to share again. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us to know you better, that our lives may be enriched, and these blessings we can share in powerful ways to everyone that we come across. Tonight, as usual, help us to be inspired more, motivated more, to be true and even better servants to you and be grateful and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Touch all of us, Lord, who are gathered. Touch those on the internet, those on the telephone. Touch us, Lord, and bless us in a very, very special way. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we thank God for this uh, opportunity like I prayed about. And thank God for another Thursday night Bible study. Our prayer is that God is continuing to touch and bless every one of you. And you don't have to answer, but how are you doing tonight? Oh, thank God for Jesus. God bless you. Yes, we are continuing with Second uh, Samuel, the 15th chapter. And as we were talking previously, we were sharing how Absalom really plotted to take over his father's throne. And what I really want to emphasize to you tonight, and I want to get straight at it, is that as we keep on studying the Word of God, and in this case, you know, about the life of David, but God is plainly showing us among so many other things is the true character of David. Because, you know, if you're a king and you're very powerful and you have all this power at your disposal, hey, listen, especially coming out of the experiences of fighting literally for your life, surviving many battles, and uh, going through all kinds of hardship, you become king, you probably don't want to be tolerant and understanding, even to your children. So what I'm trying to say is that more and more God shows us the true character of David that we may look at ourselves and ask ourselves some tough questions as to how we behave to others that when, even when we have 
the means and the ways of uh, just getting rid of nonsense that may come upon us. But in the case of David, is always considering the other person. You might say, well, you know, uh, he hesitated too much. He, he knew what was going on. Why would he put up with it? Why would he tolerate this? Last week we were talking about when we looked at the relationship between David and his children, let's ask ourselves the question, how is our relationship between God and ourselves and how he put up with a lot of stuff from us. Some people say a lot of foolishness, but it goes even deeper than that, right? A lot of disobedience, a lot of conniviness, a lot of insincerity, but he still put up with us. We are his children. And so we see that in the character of David. So more and more and more as we go along, as we go along, we see this heart after God, that way in the beginning, a well-known scripture, of course, but way in the beginning as we were studying about David, that came up. It makes a lot, a lot of sense. The man had a heart of love and mercy and understanding that God had for him and all of us to put up with us. Someone has said, and the Bible more than allude to it, you know, God in one moment, uh, one sliver of nanosecond of intolerance, Get on his last nerve. Thank God that God is not human. Just lose his temper for a fraction of a moment. Could just wipe us out. Just like that. Just by a whisper. Just by a nod. But just by a wave of hand. And now you see... Why the scripture writers, why the Psalms are so full of the refrain about God's mercy, enduring forever. Slow to anger, slow to correct, slow to chide. And so it is with David and Solomon. Yes. David was nobody's fool as, fool as we would say. He know what his son Absalom was up to. He knew. And yet, you know, he gave him a lot of leeway. So, so after all this, and I say bad mouthing, but that's a mild expression. 
after all this plotting behind his father's back, sneakingly conniving, and being hypocritical, and who knows, Absalom probably or should have known that David, he wasn't really fooling his father, but I guess he's like so many of us, that we get away with things or we, we just keep pushing that envelope. Uh, let's see, let's Absalom, let's see what my father's gonna do. May be even misinterpreting his father's men away. This great warrior is uh, maybe kind of weak. Or maybe it's just soft in some ways to some people, including his children. And Absalom had, uh, I don't want to qualify, even though I really don't know, but I don't want to qualify it as saying that he had a lot of patience too. I think he was cunning. I think he waited for opportune moments. Or maybe it's just that David kind of knew how to play him to some degree. You get the sense as you read that because of the murder that he caused to commit his brother, was ripped him off. You get the impression that David had him on a leash, so to speak. Uh, I mean, that's pretty clear. Or maybe even without that, David, you know, would kind of curtail certain some of some of his activities. Or it simply might be because he's he's a prince. Absalom does is that he needed permission to do a lot of things and to go to places. Well, whatever it is, and probably a combination of all that I said before, it was four years of him, you know, plotting behind his father's back that he decided that he would go to the king, King David. If we look at verse 7, we're in 2 Samuel 15, if you're just joining us. If we look at verse 7, it says, After four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron to offer sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow I made to him. For while your servant was a Geshur, in Aram, I promised to sacrifice the Lord in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. That's when he was had run away from the wrath of his father because he had committed this atrocious crime of, you know, engineering his, his brother's death. And uh, yeah, it's four years. One would say, well, why 
why wait if if you made the promise to God, why why wait four years? Well, could it be that he waited four years because he thought at that time it would be a more better opportunity? He had enough people that he was convinced to follow him. He, he did enough mischief behind his father's back. But it doesn't seem like a, a sincere religious proposition that he's fulfilling or even offering. Yeah, after four years, oh, I made a uh, promise to God that if I came back to Jerusalem, I, I, I worship Him. I'll have a, you know, special feast over to the, for the Lord or whatever it is. Oh yes, Ibram definitely has its significance. One may may want to look up the word study Hebron. It certainly was a place of one of those uh, cities of refuge and it plays a very significant part uh, where Elizabeth was, uh, you know, the cousin of Mary, mother of Jesus, uh, Elizabeth, the, the mother of John the Baptizer. So there's some significant significance there. But whatever it is, it seemed that it was a place that um, that was adequate for worshiping God in a special way. You wonder why people would be like that. As some people have said uh, about folk not fearing God. So, you know, yes, David said, um, all right, go ahead, go over to Hebron and fulfill the promise that you've made to God. But when Hasselon got over there, if we look at verse number 10, but while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. Mm. Use God as a cover. Use worshiping God and a place to worship God as a cover for one's misdeed. I don't know what uh, Absalom was justifying all of this. I I got I get the distinct feelings, and I've read and studied and witnessed. You get the distinct feeling that people get so caught up in not being what God would have them to be that they justify. A whole lot of stuff mixing up God and things that are not right. Uh, I'm going to get rid of my father. Why? 
I'm gonna kind of attach it to a relationship that I have with God. What relationship? I, you know, I'm gonna do some sneaky stuff and, 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 and have it covered by the fact that I'm serving God or give the appearance of serving God. So, you know, he distinctly told David Absalom that I'm, I made this vow to God and I'll thank him, I'll praise him, I'll give him special adoration if I, if, if I, you know, what we call bargaining. And I've written about bargaining. I say it's one of the weakest form of expressing one faith. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. And who am I to criticize in a one? But what I've written, I've said to folk in my writings, try to stay away from bargaining with God. God, if you do this, I'll do that. I promise to get, if you get me all of this, I promise. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's, to me, it doesn't show the strength of one faith when one bargain. I use example of Abraham, the situation with Lot and the situation with Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, God, if you like, oh, what about this? You know, could you do this? Or, you know, I, 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 I think when one is sincere, you pray to God, and it's not my will; it's your will, God, and I'm willing to accept your will in my life. What if Absalom had gone to God that way? I don't know what on hurt would make him think that after David had walked with God and gone through all the stuff that he went through, I don't know what on hurt would make him think that God had made some promise to him that he had some right to the throne or more than what God would allow him to be. But I guess we say as human, it's very human. But what if he had gone to God and just simply said, God, well, I may be on misunderstanding your direction, what it is you, you want in my life. You know, show me. And, and what if he had gone to his father and kind of, talk things out and say, you know, Dad, uh, you know, I, I know I've done some bad things, but um, oh, am I am I in line to succeed you? And, you know, what can I do? How can I serve God? And how can I respect you and all of this? What if he had said that? No, he get over there under the... Hebron under the false pretense of going to church and toting the big Bible and being a little sarcastic 
and anachronistic, you know, that these things wasn't in that time. What if we had, you know, done all the things that, you know, people look at Christians to do? And then in his heart and behind his father's back, he's plotting against his father. And in verse number 11, he took 200 men from Jerusalem and without them knowing what his true intention was. While he was offering sacrifices, having church, as we will say today, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilor, Soon many others joined Absalom and this conspiracy gained momentum. Are people that naive? Are people, they don't know, they lack the ability to be suspicious when something seems off. Oh, yes, he's the prince, he's David's son. If he wants me to come to Hebron, if you want, you know, you know, special protection or whatever it is, I go. Or do a whole lot of people just follow blindly without seeking God's direction? Did someone alert David to this? Oh, okay, we just, he wants us, so we go. Did it appear that he may be just forming his own bodyguard, his own protection, that he was doing something, you know, nefarious? But it just goes to show you how if we're not careful, we can be caught up in stuff. That's why I keep saying, and, I'm, and I've entitled this portion of our sharing of Thursday night Bible study, God been good to us. God loves us. He's been good to us in spite of, in spite of all the stuff that we do. That we ought to know better, that we might make excuses of what well, I didn't know. I, you know, I, I thought this and that. I didn't go to God. I didn't check. I, I was suspicious, but I didn't want to believe it. And all the stuff that we have done, and sometimes we're in, we do it innocently too, naively. Doesn't matter. It's against God's will. In spite of all of that, God loves us. He has been good to us. That's one way of looking at it. And I've been sharing that. And tonight I want to elaborate on that even, even more. 
from David's perspective. Oh my gosh. From David's perspective, whether he was being a little naive, hesitant, or uh, spoiling his kids, not facing realities, not, not whatever it is, it's not that he was incapable, whatever it was. God still. In spite of what Absalom is doing and others might be doing, and later on we'll see all the stuff that's right. In spite of all of that, God is still good to David. I close with this. You see it over and over. Over and over and over and over again. God delivers David. He gets him out of messes. David acting differently could have and would have avoided a whole lot of stuff that came up in his life. Somebody says some of this is of David's own making. I, well, yeah, I have to agree with some of it at least. But God keeps rescuing him and delivering him. God is good. Is really good. If this was something of a tit for tat with God, we as people, oh, what a mess our lives would be that we never get out of. And is David taking God for granted? No. But he sure knows when he's as messed up that God is with him. And I don't think he's deliberately doing getting himself into these messes. But he sure knows that God is a one that brings him out. So may God continue to touch all of us and bless you and anoint you and give you peace, continue to share his love with you. And if a whole lot of us will be honest and continuing to get us out of messes, even if we didn't deliberately do anything, if we had acted differently, perhaps God wouldn't have to get us out of the mess. All of that muck and all of that mire, but God is good to us. He's good to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
And we thank everyone for listening and sharing and participating. And if anyone has any questions, any thoughts, and the remarks that you want to make, hallelujah. You're free to type it in now, or you can ask on the telephone. God continue to bless. Hallelujah. Amen. You can always contact me anytime. You know, you know how to reach me. I'd be happy to share my little itty-bitty thoughts with you, whatever it might be. And I'm sure you can help me out with a whole lot. But God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. But God is good to you. You all hear that? God is good to us. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. You can still reach me anytime after we close out. We're going to close out now. But God be praised. Amen. 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 Until next week. See you next week at the same time. Hallelujah. Bless your name.